Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. We've been teaching from, uh, really, it's 16 chapters of the Bible, and we haven't been reading them every week, but uh, 16 chapters found in Exodus that talk about the construction and the use and the purpose of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the tent of meeting that God commanded Moses to build in the wilderness after he took God's people out of Egypt. And so God delivered his people out of Egypt, and the whole purpose of that that he told Pharaoh was, I want, I, I, want my, I want you to let my people go so that they may come into the desert and worship me. And that was the whole purpose. And, and he wasn't trying to trick Pharaoh. That's really what God wanted. God wanted worship from his people, and they couldn't worship while they're in bondage. And so after God delivered them from bondage, they were in a place, even though it was a desert. How many of you know you can still worship in a desert? There, there, may not, there might not be a lot of stuff going on, but you can still worship in the middle of nothing. And God said, look, I'm not taking them to a place of prosperity first. I'm first taking them to the desert because I want them to worship me, not worship what I can do for them. I want them to worship me. And after they worship me, after they know me, after they get to know me, then I'm going to lead them into the land that I promised their forefathers. And, and that was the whole purpose. And so the temple, or, or the, the, the tabernacle rather, was God's attempt to dwell among people so that they could actually truly worship him. And so the, the tabernacle is a pattern for worship. And uh, it's a pattern for how to worship. And, and I know we've moved beyond the tabernacle today. We don't have tents here. We don't have, we're, not, we're not killing animals and sacrifice, ri- ritual sacrifices. But all of these things were a sign pointing toward Jesus. And the better we can know Jesus, the better we can follow Jesus, the more we can worship him. And so I don't know about you, but I just want to be where he is. I just want to be near his heart. I just want, there's nothing like his love. And so I love that song because that's my heart, which is, which is why today, I don't know, I don't have as much of a sermon for you as much as I have more of just a message for you. Uh, I, I interrupt this regularly scheduled programming. Uh, that, that I feel like God has a particular message for us today and for you and for City Chapel. I feel like God wants me to share with you that last week I talked about how Jesus is the door. He's the, he's the front of the tabernacle. He's this, this curtains right here. There's only one door and he's the, he is the door. And you come he, and, and he's not on hinges. So he doesn't just swing open and you run through. He's a curtain kind of door. So you have to come under him. He's got to drape over your shoulders. He's got to wrap around you. And so, and so the, last week I preached about that. But today I just want to, I don't, the, the message that I feel like God wants you to know is that the door is open. That there are no locks on this, 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 this gate. There are no locks on this door. The door is open to you and to me. And by the way, it's, it's, it's okay to get excited about the fact that the door is open. It's, it's, it's not a sin to be happy in church. It's not a sin to be excited in church. Uh, it really, it's, I feel like this is, this is the reason why we're here today. Because the door is open. Because the door is open. When you realize how much stood between you and God, and then you come to a door that is open and available. I mean, if you wonder what God, th- if you're here today and you're wondering what God thinks about you, you just look at the cross and his arms are 
wide open. He is open. The door is open. He is the door, and he has opened up himself. He has revealed himself. He has tore down every barrier between you and him, and he's invited you and me into access, into fellowship. And so that's really just, that's what I want you to walk away with. I want you to realize that the door is open, that regardless of your sin, and the, it is real, and it is, and it is destructive, but even in spite of, and in the midst of, and even while we were yet sinners, the door was still open. Christ opened up the door, removed the separation, and allowed access for you and for me. He, 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 the, 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 the door, which, which is powerful. We talked about all the colors last week. You know, we dealt with that, uh, but, 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 but it is, but it's really about the fact that we can now enter into his presence. And that's why we have a time of worship at city chapel. There was a, there was a, there, there, there was one of, one of the couples of our church invited some of their friends. This is a while ago. Um, and uh, their friends had only been to like a Roman Catholic church. That's how they grew up and they grew up Catholic. And so they, it, they were in for a bit of a shock because <laughs> um, there's no robes here, and, uh, you know, we do things a little differently here. And so, anyway, they, but, but, but we have people from the Catholic faith coming here all the time. And so they invited their friends, and they sat in the back row, and, um, and then and they went through the whole service. Then afterward, they said, hey, how, what did you think about, about City Chapel? What did you think about the service? And, and, they, and, and their friends said, well, you know, we really like the preaching. Just to be historically accurate, I had to include that part. That's, that's important. That's important. Uh, they said, we had a guest speaker that day. They said, they said, we really like, they said, we really like the preaching, um, but the concert at the beginning was a little long. <laughs> and uh, they said, oh, that's, that's not a concert. <laughs> But, it's, but, but if you're not, if you're, if, if you're used to sitting, listening to choir boys sing, if you're used to sitting and listening, and that's what you call worship, if you're used to standing and looking at the door because you're too sinful to enter the door, if you're used to having to have a priest to let you in because Jesus wasn't enough, somebody else has to read the Bible for you, somebody else has to pray for you, you got to confess to somebody else. If somebody else has to give you communion, the body and the blood of Jesus, and it can't come directly from the Son of God, then you might get the idea that you are more of an, an observer of the things. Which that's what a concert is. A concert is when professionals up here are performing for fans down there. <laughs> but this is not a concert. One, there are very few professionals up here. <laughs> There's a couple, actually, who could be professional. But, but they're, they're not, not, what does scripture say? Not many of us were wise. Not many of us were well. Not many. There was a couple, but not many. I mean, it's not the majority. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so there's not many of us up here are professionals, and, and there's not many fans out here either. I'll just say that. I haven't met, nobody's asking for my autograph. Nobody's asking to take pictures with me. So I don't think we have a lot of fans out here either. But that's the, that's the, that's the point. We are not professionals performing for fans. We are all children performing and singing to our Heavenly Father. So the, the fans are down here. The professional is up there. He did all the work. He, did, he, he gets all the glory. He did everything, so he gets all the credit. We, we honor him and we worship him because the door is open. That's why we're worshiping. That's why it's not a concert. That's why sometimes we'll sing the song over and 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 over. Because we're not singing to you. Yeah. 
I don't really know if I like that. Hey, well, okay, fine. I don't mind it. I don't care if you don't like the song. I'm not singing to you. In your car, we'll play what you like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're the DJ there. You go ahead and be the, you push all the, you, you do what you want. But, but, but we are in our dad's car, and we're both in the back seat, and he's, and he's driving, and he's the DJ, and he's the driver. He's directing this, this thing. He's guiding this thing. That's what worship is. And so we sing, and we worship because the door is open. We don't wait. We don't have to have a priest to do all the stuff for us. We already have a high priest. His name is Jesus. He's already gone beyond the veil. He's already opened up access for us and that's why when we walk into the room we have immediate access that's why we don't that's why we don't have to get right before we have access because we have immediate access we don't have to sacrifice animals before we come in we have immediate access into the presence of God the door is open it's wide open and to the Israelite the door was closed now, you stood there at the door, and, and if, you had, if you had an animal to kill, then fine, you could, you could go in. And so, and so I talked about this last week. Remember the guy with the man cold and, and the whole little weird story that I made up? Well, so he's, 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 he's in line again. That's right. We're picking up where we left off. So you're in line. You're standing in front of the door, and you have your sacrificial animal. Um, for, for, for a sin offering, it would, be, it would probably be a lamb. For the common person, it, it, it was a lamb. Uh, for rich people and for leaders, it was a little bit more. Because God puts extra <laughs> to whom much has been given, much will be required. Because once again, he's not looking at the number on the check. He's looking at the heart. And for a rich person to give just a lamb was not a very big heart. So God had different rules for, for different, different people. But for the common person, the lamb was the common person's sacrifice. And that's what Jesus is. He, he died for the common person. He died for the average. He died, died for the, the mundane. He died for the hidden. He died for the unknown. He didn't just die for the famous. It wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't just people that are on TV. He, he, he died for all of us. And so the, the common person would bring a lamb, and he comes up to the door, and, and he goes through the door. And the first thing he sees when he comes through the door is what's called the altar of sacrifice. And so I want to talk to you today about the altar. I'm probably going to spend two weeks on the altar because there's a lot to it, um, and, uh, and, and I have a picture of the altar from that, from that video that we were showing, so instead of trying to play and pause a bunch, um, I just decided to grab you this picture. Um, this, is, this is a recreation of the tabernacle. Um, this, is, this is actually a company that they, they go around um, to different churches, and they, they, set, they set up the whole tabernacle the way it would have been set up. Um, based on the, the stuff from Scripture and the measurements and everything and the materials. And um, I actually got to go through this one time. They were in Austin over at, over at Life Austin, and it was awesome. But with the first thing, when you come through the door, you stand in front of this, this massive uh, altar of sacrifice. The, the dimensions here, it's, it's about four and a half feet tall by seven and a half feet wide, and it's a square. And, um, but it w- would also be up, it's four and a half feet tall, but it would also be up on a mound, so that they could burn stuff underneath. The fuel for the fire would be underneath. It's essentially um, kind of a big grill. <laughs> uh, you have, you have this, this box structure, and then on the inside of the box, uh, down just a little bit, you have a grate that you would lay the sacrifice on the grate, and the fires are burning underneath, and there's a pan underneath to catch all of the blood from the sacrifice. 
So if, if, if that makes sense. Now, now this is the altar of sacrifice. It looks like, so I just want to talk to you about the construction because, I, as I said, everything is prophetic of Jesus. And this, the construction of this is pretty interesting. It, it, it looks like it's made from um, brass or copper, uh, and, it, and, it, and it is. Uh, God commanded that it be overlaid with um, copper. Some translations say copper. Some say um, brass. It's also, that's why it's also called the, bra, the brazen altar. Um, but uh, some commentators say that there was no brass at that time, and so that it would have been copper. So I don't know. My guess is probably copper. Either way, you have, you have uh, uh, the structure is actually made out of wood. So God commanded it to be made out of a certain kind of wood, a very uh, uh, difficult-to-find wood in the desert, and, he, he, and, and, and a very clean wood, and a very straight wood. So he wanted this thing to be sturdy, because technically, this is so big, it could fit all of the other um, articles of furniture within it. And that's why there's some belief that when they traveled, this was a travel, this is a set-up-and-tear-down church, when they traveled, uh, that they would put, uh, the, the 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 basin in it they 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 that they would put the, the 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 table of showbread that they would put the menorah in it that they would put all of the other articles inside of it because all of it would fit and there were there were um, holes on the side as you can see for poles to go through for for the men to carry it um, there's not a lot of evidence that they did that but it's possible it all would have fit it's a pretty large structure and so God wanted it to be very sturdy so it's first made of wood and then it's overlaid with uh, copper. And, and, and that's interesting. And that's interesting when you think about it, because wood is something that, that, that was living. Wood comes from a tree, so it had life in it. So it's, 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 it's technically, it's made from something that is alive, but it's covered with something that's dead. It's covered with copper. It's covered with essentially metals that are found in the earth. God said, I want you to make it from something that was living, but I want you to cover it with with, cover it with copper. And the type of wood that is used is, is usually used to symbolize kind of a, 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 a perfect humanity or, a, or, or, or just a, a perfect living thing because it's such a great piece of wood. And, and yet it's covered by copper, and copper is the metal that's used to symbolize judgment. So it's interesting how even the, the altar, just, just the structure itself, is prophetic of the body of Jesus. That he is this perfect humanity. That he is this flawless, sinless humanity. He, he was always straight. He, he, he didn't have any warps in him. You know, you go to Home Depot and some of those two-by-fours look a little rough. He, he, had, he didn't have any warps. He, wasn't, he didn't have not. He was, he, was all, he was perfect humanity, but he was covered with the judgment. He was covered with copper. He was, he was, because, because wood, if, if you just made this thing out of wood and then you start a fire underneath it, <laughs> it's not going to be long before the whole thing becomes part of the fire. You're only going to have one fire <laughs> on that altar and it's going to last as long as it lasts. It's a bonfire and then it's done. So the, the, the wood, the perfect wood needs something to cover it that is flame resistant, that, that can handle the heat. That's why copper is a symbol of judgment because Fire is often a symbol of judgment, and so copper is that thing which can handle the judgment. It is that thing which receives the judgment and isn't destroyed by the judgment. And so, and so I know some, some of the wheels in your heads are turning because, because Jesus was that living thing, and yet he took on uh, the, the scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.21. We don't have it on the screen, but it says that he who knew no sin, 
He who knew no sin, he who, or another way to say that, he who had never sinned, he who was perfect humanity. And the King James mistranslates it, and it says, became sin for us. And, and it, that's, a weird, that's a weird translation. And, and after the King James translated it that way, several other translations just followed suit. And it, but it really doesn't line up with the original language. A better translation is actually the New Living Translation, which usually they don't have a better translation. But in this case, they say uh, the New Living says became a sin offering for us, which is actually much closer to what the original language says. Because technically what the original language says, that says he who knew no sin took on sin. For us. He, 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 took it, he took it on himself. It doesn't mean that he became sin. Because the wood never became the metal. It was always wood. <laughs> it was always sin. But, but now, now the difference is the other part of that verse is he, he, he took on sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now that word become is actually ginomai, which means to appear or to, or to suddenly change, to change your, your, your state, to become something new and different, a new creation. Now that actually means become, but, but, but the, the original word of talking about Jesus, he didn't become anything. He stayed Jesus. He stayed perfect. He stayed perfect humanity. The wood stayed inside of the copper, but on top of the copper, that 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 on what what did what did what was it? Isaiah said that 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 on him was laid the iniquity of us all. Yes. On him was laid the iniquity of us all. It was not in him. He never became anything different than he was. He was always God. He was always perfect. He was always sinless. But he carried our sins and bore our diseases. He he took them on himself and nailed them to the cross. That's what scripture says. That so that so that he might destroy the works of the of the devil. But it but it, it, within himself he stayed perfect, but he took on the, the copper of, of 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 that which has been judged. Of that which has been heated up and has gone through the fire. Which is why he can take on your sins. Because he has already gone through the fire. He has already, he is, he is perfect humanity covered with copper so that he can handle the heat. And the whole purpose of the construction of this thing was not so that you would come and worship this thing. The whole purpose of this thing was not so that you would see this thing. And so, and so the purpose of the altar was not the altar itself. The altar was a place whereby sacrifice was made possible. And this is what Christ did. Christ didn't, uh, what, is, what, what does the old hymn say? Uh, Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. Some people say Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus died so I don't have to. That's what they say. Well, no, Jesus died so you could. Jesus laid down his life to create a space where you could lay down your life. Which is why Hebrews says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Well, I thought Jesus already did that. Well, yeah, he did that to make a way for you now to do that. 
He did that. He, he laid down his body so that his body would become the altar, so that his body would become the place where we could take our bodies and lay our bodies down. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. So I'm, I, I see his crucifixion, and that's where I'm going to lay myself down. I see his death, and that's where I'm going to die, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, that I may be made conformed to the image of his death. His cross is my cross. His Golgotha is my Golgotha. His grave is my grave. And his Easter is my Easter. And his resurrection is my resurrection. And his power is my power. He didn't die so that we don't have to. He died so that we could. He gave himself so that we could give ourselves. So that we could lay down our lives. And so the purpose of the altar is not that you come in and say, boy, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that somebody one time did something for me. That's great. No, no, no. When you come, the purpose of worship is not to come empty handed, but to come into the presence of God. That's what Paul, that's what the writer of Hebrews, who I think is Paul, said. I beseech you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of worship. We don't, we don't kill goats or calves anymore. We lay down our own lives now. We, it's, it's us. Our pets get to live, but we have to lay down our lives. <laughs> the pets get to, get to stay in the house and munch on kibble bits, but we need to lay down our lives. None of the pets are fasting right now. <laughs> They're all eating the same nasty stuff they've always been eating. But for me, I am laying down my life because I am a living sacrifice. No longer is it up to the pets. It's, it's me. It's not up to the animals. And so, and so when Christ laid down his life, he created a space where sacrifice was possible. And so what I want to look at is I want to look at the five sacrifices that they, that they did at the altar. And I think these five sacrifices do two things. One, they point to Jesus. They let us know what Jesus has done because he is the ultimate sacrifice. But they also point to us as to, as to a, a pattern for how we can enter into the presence of God today. How we can worship him today. So there were five sacrifices found in Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7. You should go read that this afternoon. It's a lot of fun. Um, and there's all kinds of details about them that get a little bit bl uh, blurry, a little bit foggy. I'm going to try to break them down for you a little bit. I'm not going to go to full detail, but, but, it's, but it's interesting to me. The first sacrifice I want to talk about is the, is the consecration sacrifice or what was called the burnt offering sacrifice. This is for consecration. Now, this is the first thing, I think, when, when you come into the presence of God. Scripture is frequently, God's frequently saying, consecrate yourselves. That's what he's telling the Old Testament. He's telling them to consecrate themselves. Why? What is consecrate? It means, consecrate means to, to, to divest of yourself, to give up of all that you are to him. And so this was a sacrifice that the Israelites would bring. Usually a bull, a goat, or a lamb would bring it before the Lord. And uh, if, you, if you go through that gate and you come up to this altar, there would be a priest standing there um, to the side of the altar. You would go up to the priest. The priest would, would, would have a series of questions to ask you. And you would, you would explain, this is a burnt offering to the Lord. This is, this is essentially, this is me saying, uh, God, you have all of me. And that's what they would do with the offering. They would burn the whole thing. This is the only, I believe, the only offering that they completely destroy, completely consume. Typically, God would always give some to the priest, 
uh, some actually to the to the to the offerer as well um, for for particular offerings. But but th- in this case, God said, "When you're fully giving yourself to me, I don't want you to give it for any other reason or to anyone else. I want I want you to to give all of yourself to me." That's what the burnt offering is. That you would take a lamb, for instance, uh, you would you would kill that lamb you would you would uh catch its blood and 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 the priest would splash the blood on the sides of the altar and then they would take the the lamb and and lay it down on the grate and allow the flames to completely consume the lamb this is this is part of worship this is what paul this is what the writer of hebrews means when he says i beseech you to 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 give yourself to give your body as a living sacrifice, which is a burnt offering, which is totally consumed by God, totally taken over by God, totally committed to God. And so, and so at an early age, man, I felt God calling me to lay down my life and consecrate myself to him. And, and I, was, I was 12 years old, and I was listening to uh, Dr. Dobson on the radio, and he had, a, he had a guy on there. It's 1992. He had a guy on there uh, who, who knew a lot more than me, who was a psychologist and, and a behavioral psychologist. And, and he said, and, 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 and he was talking about how, how, how kids, like, you know, in their teenage years, they have to go through a time of rebellion because they're testing boundaries and so on and so forth, and it's natural, and it's just normal. And I'm 12 years old, and, and, and I just read where I'm supposed to consecrate myself and give myself over to God. And here's this really smart guy saying, yeah, if you were older, you could do that. But because you're 12, you probably can't. And it's okay. We know you can. You're going to mess up and try all this different stuff. You'll probably dabble in this and dabble in that and figure out where your boundaries are. And after you've, after you've, after you've jacked yourself up for, the, for about 10 years, then we're going to come to you and tell you, hey, yes, you can consecrate yourself. You can give yourself over to God. And I just thought that was a little bit backward. That was a little bit strange. I was like, what? But the Bible doesn't say, like, for people over 18, they may consecrate themselves to the Lord. Uh, man, like, I, I personally believe that at any age that you come to God, that he is able to keep that which you have committed unto him against that day. I just kind of think it's up to him. I think his power is enough to handle adolescence and divorce. I think it's, he's, he's able to handle stuff you go through as a 12-year-old and stuff you go through as a 45-year-old. I'm pretty certain that adolescence was not the most difficult time in my life. I am quite sure. I'm at 39 now, and I can tell you, it doesn't get easier after high school. (laughs) All you high schoolers. It doesn't get easier after high school. Things don't suddenly click. and and, I mean, I have have 30-year-olds complaining about adulting. What are you doing? No, you are an adult. You, you're not, it's not a verb. That's a, that's a noun, people. It's called living. Like, that's a verb. But you don't want to sound immature for complaining about living, so you add it to something else. But no, man, this is just life. It gets more difficult. After you put down the, the PlayStation controller, it gets more difficult. After you move out of mom's house, it gets, you got to pay your own bills. You mean tell me God can't handle a 12-year-old that literally has no cares in the world, not a single bill to deal with, and yet, and yet, and yet he's going to be able to handle a 35-year-old who's trying to make ends meet and provide for his kids? Man, no, no, no. It, it, God can handle a 12-year-old. Anything that you consecrate to him, he can handle. Anything that you put in his hands, you're putting it in much more capable hands than your own. 
It doesn't matter. Now, now I, I do understand adolescence is a time of great temptation. I do understand hormones kick in and things get crazy. And, and, but those are the times when you need God. You didn't need him as much when you were 10. You had as much as you needed, which wasn't a whole lot. But now that you're 12, you need a lot more. So, so my advice is to give of yourself fully to God. That, 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 that the more independent you become from your parents, the more you ought to be putting on the altar. It's just, it's just simple. It moves from your parents' house. That, that's, that's what the lamb did. It moved from the house to the altar. <laughs> So it ought to move from the house to the altar. You ought to move from, from, from I'm relying on my parents' faith to now I am fully relying on God. This is, the, this is the benefit of growing up in a Christian home, that Christians ought to train up their kids to continue to be Christians. Maybe it's just me, but I just think that, that that's a good plan. I'm, that's what I'm doing with my kids. That's my goal. My goal is that I pass them off to Jesus. My goal is I lead them up to the door and I say, guys, this is how you go in. This is how I went in. This is how it works. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. I'm telling you, he's faithful. I'm telling you, he can handle it. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever temptations are in your life, he can handle it. He can, he can, and, and, and whatever sin may happen in your life, he can forgive it. He's big enough. He's good enough. He's merciful enough. And so my goal is to, is to lead them to the door of Jesus and say, all right, I'm, cur- I'm encouraging you to go in. And my greatest dream is that my kids go in to the door. But I want you all to go in as well and to consecrate yourself. That when you come and you lift up your hands, you're saying, I surrender. You're saying, I surrender. You're saying, I, I give myself over to you. The second type of offering was a trespass offering. This is an offering uh, that was for usually an accidental sin. So you would bring an offering like a lamb or a goat. For an accidental sin, uh, perhaps you, you, you broke one of the commandments of God and you, and you didn't realize it, but as soon as the Holy Spirit revealed it to you, then you would come and you would, you would bring a lamp for, for, for repentance of accidental sin. It also it all also uh, included sins against your neighbor, which is why worship, coming to church, raising your hands, focusing on God, should also create uh, repentance, not just to God, but repentance to those around you. Uh, I saw I saw a meme the other day. Somebody in the church posted, and I don't usually read memes because they're a little cheesy. And so I was just scrolling through, and I saw this one on coffee, and I and I haven't drank coffee in a couple weeks, so um, the smell of coffee kind of just gives me some energy now. It's awesome. Anyway, I saw this meme. It was C. It was like each each letter stood for something. You know those like where they don't actually stand for like tacos. You know they don't actually stand for anything, but people make them stand for stuff. That always annoys me a little bit. But anyway, C-O-F-F-E-E. And so they were like, C stood for... So I was scrolling through really fast. And I, I, I misread it, but it made me stop and go back. And say, like, that's actually really good. But then I read it and I was like, oh, no, that's just, that's just, yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, it stood, it C stood for Christ, which I thought it... Anyway, it's, Christ offers forgiveness for everyone everywhere. That was, that was what they said. And I, and I was like, yeah, yeah, he does. But, I mean, doesn't every meme say that? Aren't we always talking about that? But the, what I thought it said, because I was scrolling, I thought, I thought they said Christians offer forgiveness for everyone, everywhere. I was like, now that's actually good. That's like, oh, no, that's not what they said. So I want to change it for you. Next time we think of coffee, Christians offer forgiveness for everyone, everywhere. 
because it's interesting. We have one standard for Christ, but we have another standard for Christians. That Jesus will forgive you, wash away all your sins, bring you back into fellowship. But over here, uh, well, in my heart, I'll forgive you. You know, like all by myself, I won't tell you. Sure as heck won't text you or call you. But it's in here somewhere. I have kind of forgiven you, except when I start talking about you or thinking about you, in which case I get angry at you again, but I have totally forgiven you. And then Jesus, though, on the other hand, he just wipes it all clean, hugs, wraps you in your eyes. It's so wonderful. And yet Christian means Christ-like. And one of the, the offerings, I mean, sure, is God's forgiveness of your sin, but also your forgiveness of those who have sinned against us. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, say, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us their daily bread. Forgive us our sins at, in the same measure as we forgive those who have sinned against us. In the same way, in the same measure, in the same way that we forgive people, may that be our experience in heaven. And you wonder why God's standoffish to you. You wonder why God doesn't, doesn't talk to you. Because you're not talking to other people. He will forgive you in the same measure, in the same way, in the same color, the same smell that you forgive other people. The same stuff you offer, this is what you can receive. And he stands ready. Absolutely, Christ offers forgiveness for everyone, everywhere. Absolutely, at all times, I would say. No matter what you've done or where you are. And Christians also offer forgiveness for everyone at all times, everywhere, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've hurt me. That's not to say that we don't have good boundaries, because we do. But it is to say that we have, we, we, our forgiveness is like Jesus' forgiveness. It's full, it's free, and we tell you about it. And we welcome you. And we still talk to you. <laughs> the trespass offering. Jesus didn't just die he is our trespass offering. And he didn't just die to forgive our sins. He died to empower us to forgive others. To enable us to lay down our ego, lay down our pride and forgive others. There's a trespass offering. There's also the meal offering. This is, the, uh, this is where you would bring grain. And, and, and you would bring it to the priests. And, and this, was not, uh, this was not a forced one. You didn't have to bring this. This was optional. Uh, it, was just, it was just because. You would bring a grain offering, which was, which was something that you would give um, to the priest, and the priest would take a small portion of it, throw it on the altar, but the, the bulk of it, he was to take and to eat himself. So, so, so this was an offering to the Lord. There would be a, a part of it to the Lord, but most of it would go to feed the priest because the priests couldn't be out in the field working and providing their own crops because they were offering and praying for and anointing and doing the work of God. And so God set up a system. This is City Chapel didn't set this up, but God set up a system whereby the priest would be taken care of by the free will optional, not forced, optional offerings of the people. That the people would say, God has been, that's really what the, the, the grain offering was for. God has been so good to me. I mean, they're in a desert. And they're talking about grain? <laughs> the fact that they had grain in a desert, that even in difficult times, God had blessed their crops. Even in, even in the middle of a recession, when other people were getting fired, I was getting promoted. 
That God, that when other people's houses weren't selling, our house sold. That when we were looking for this, this opportunity, we had favor with that person and with that person. And I just want to come to you, Lord, and say thank you. I just want to let you know that I am grateful that you are the source of my wealth. That you are the reason that I have the vehicles I have, the house I have, the clothes on my back. I've just come. You didn't, you didn't make me do it. You didn't tell me I had to bring this grain offering. But I'm just coming because I'm grateful. Because I'm thankful. Because I know it was you. Everybody else thinks it was something. I know. I know it was you. And I just come. And it was, it, it, it's also called the wave offering. Because what they would do oftentimes is they would, they would wave it. Before they gave it to the priest, they would wave it to the Lord. So, because, Lord, I know you see me. I know, I know you've been watching me. I know you've been, been watching over me. I know you've been providing for me. And I just want to say, hey, I'm here giving back a portion to you. I'm just here not asking for anything. I'm just here to say thank you. Weren't there 10? Weren't there 10 that were healed of leprosy? Where are the other nine? I'm just here to say thank you. I mean, it's nice to, to go to God when you need him. But where are the people that go to him after he supplies the blessing that they prayed for? And come back and say, God, look, I'm still here. I'm, I, didn't, I didn't just want you for what you could give me. I wanted you for your presence, and I'm still here. And I'm thankful because you've given me more than I deserve. You've blessed me with overflowing on every side. You You've hedged me in. I mean, you've taken care of me. You did me a favor when I didn't deserve it. I didn't need it. Nobody, I, you gave me favor, which is means, which means you elevated me above other people around me. And I just want to say thank you. It's the, it's the grain offering that supplies the salaries of the pastors at City Chapel. It's just, it's just free will offering. It's the grain offering that lets us come in uh, every day throughout the week and work and, and prepare stuff and get stuff together and pray for people and go visit folks in hospitals and deal with the sick and, and pray and, 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 and hear from God. It's, it's the grain offering. It's the wave offering. And I'm not talking about pimp preachers and, you know, and give me all your money and you'll be rich like me. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God laying it on your heart because out of gratefulness gratefulness they gave. It was the grain offering. And then there was also the peace offering. This is my favorite one. It's the peace or the fellowship offering. This is also not uh, essential. You didn't have to do this. This is optional. It's a peace offering or a fellowship offering. They call it peace offering because I am giving, this is, this is a lamb or a goat or a turtle dove if you're poor. I'm giving to the Lord from my flock because I recognize the peace I have with God. I'm not giving to get peace. I'm getting because I have peace. Because I have fellowship with God. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus opened up fellowship with God. Jesus opened up peace with God. That we can have peace with God now. And so when we come to him and we lift our hands and we worship, it's not always because, oh God, I just, I just, I just so need you right now even though we need him every moment. But it's because, honestly, I'm so thankful that I have relationship with you. I'm so thankful that I know you. And I'm not better than anybody else, but I have peace with you. Through the blood of Jesus, that you would call me friend, that you would call me your friend. What? This is crazy. 
this is insane. This is ridiculous. This, 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 this great love requires some kind of response on my part. I must come back to him and tell him thank you. I must come back and worship him. And the cool thing about the, about the peace offering is that, is that you would bring, say, if you brought a lamb and you would kill the lamb, and you would, and 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 and, and you, you you would cut it up. Certain parts, the fat and and like the liver and the stuff you don't want to eat, was for God. God said, "Give me, give me the junk out of it. When you gut it, just give me all the junk. Just put all that on the altar." He says, "That'll be a sweet smelling savor to me. Just, 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 just put that stuff on there. But the other stuff, the edible stuff, a portion of it needs to go to the priests. But then a portion of it." can be eaten by the person who is giving it. I love that. The person who's giving it and their guests could eat from the sacrifice. So essentially you walk in and 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 I go over here and talk to the priest and they say what's your name? My name's Harry Fleming. They say are you the are you the head of of the Fleming clan? I say yeah, I'm the head of the Fleming household. You're the one with the blessing. Yes, I'm the one with the blessing. You represent the whole family. Yes, I represent. Okay, so what are you bringing? Well, I have this lamb right here. Okay, well, is it is it a sin offering? Is it a, a burnt offering? Sacrifice? What, what kind of sacrifice is it? And I say, well, it's a peace offering. I'm just thankful I have peace with God. I have fellowship with God. And I brought my whole family so we could celebrate. So that we could all celebrate. He says, okay, great. And so we kneel down. We slit its throat. We, we release the blood. He splashes on the side of the altar, takes the entrails out, puts that all on the altar as an offering to God. As a family, we gather around. We worship. And then he, and then he cuts it up. And here's a portion for the priest. They take it back to their quarters. They have to eat it within two days. If it's, if it's left to the third day, they have to throw it out. And, and, and then they say, okay, so here's, here's the rest of the meat. And they start dividing that among the family. I love the peace offering because it's celebrating the peace we have with God, but it's a communal event. That my whole family can get in on this. That everybody, we can have a barbecue <laughs> celebrating the peace that we have with God. And it's, and it's totally, it's totally non, uh, it's, it's not enforced. You don't have to do this. So once again, uh, the, the building, you know, that we meet in, been paid by people's fellowship offering it's every month the rent is taken care of by the fellowship offering because look when when you have peace with god then you're not you're not you're not seeking more from him and at some at that point some people just stop their worship ends when when the when the blessings stop when when they don't feel the need anymore that's when their worship ends but man for for god's people God said, look, even when you don't feel the need, just when you feel grateful, just when you're grateful, why don't you just come to me? And and it's not even the financial part of grain. It's not that. This is something we can all partake in. We can all drive in the bus that was paid for by the fellowship offering. We can all meet in this room that was paid for by the fellowship, that is currently being paid for by the fellowship offering. We can all, uh, the, the kids can all have the kids program and the, and, and, and the curriculum that is being paid for by the, we can, we can feed 130 kids every weekend that's being paid for by the fellowship offering that you all bring. And, 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 and when we feed those kids, man, we feel good. We get to eat of it. We get a little snack, and we're like, man, that feels great. I love that we're blessing them, and I love that we're building. We get to build something over in Rwanda. 
just, it's just a fellowship offering. It's just because God's good. It's just because we have fellowship with him. We're just thankful. And so we'll gladly give from what we have. What is it Bishop Jake said? Don't go to the mall. Go to the altar. <laughs> you got, you got, you've, you've, you've been blessed. And, and man, no, I'm not, I, I'm not going to go run and buy a new pair of shoes. I'm not going to run and go, 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 go get, get an upgrade in my life. I'm not going to run and go get a better phone. And for me, God's blessed me. I'm going to run to the altar. I'm going to run back to the place that is the source of my blessing. Just because I'm grateful and I'm thankful. And I don't have anything wrong with them all. Obviously, I like shoes. So shoes are good. Mall's good. Jeans are good. But at some point, man, it can't be all about me. I can't be continuing to be blessed so that I can live better. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's my gratitude that pushes me back to the one who blessed me. The one who made a way where there seemed to be no way. Where created fellowship between me and him in spite of my sin. So I come to him and I just say thank you. And I say thank you. And my offering, it goes to him, but it also goes to those around me. It also blesses my family. It also blesses my friends. It also takes care of small groups. It also deals with, deals with the, the, the inner workings of the church. It also provides online streaming. It also deals with everything that God wants to do in this community and around the world. And I get to eat from that. And I get to be fed from that. And I get to... Be enriched by that. The final offering is the, the sin offering. This is the removal of sin. This is for the removal of sin. You, you would bring a sin offering. The father would always bring the sin offering for his entire family. And it would be killed as a sacrifice for the sin of the whole family. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus that takes care of the sin of the world. All of Adam's family. <laughs> All of Adam's family is covered by the blood of Jesus. And that blood is, is available. He who knew no sin took on my sin, took on sin for us so that we might, we might, we might become, there's a chance if we'll come to him, there's an opportunity, there's a chance we might become. The righteousness of God, we might become clean and pure and holy. Father, we thank you. We come before you. We're not asking for anything. We're just thanking you for your sacrifice. We love you. We love all that you've done for us. We love the forgiveness of sins. We love the cleansing. We love the fresh start. We also love the ability to forgive our neighbors and forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, we give of our grain, our money. We give of that to you to celebrate the, the, the peace that we have with you. But we also consecrate ourselves. We lay down ourselves for you. In Jesus' name, amen.